Hey, good morning. This is Felicia King, and you're listening to Breakfast Bites. Today, Frank Ramondi, who's the VP of Channel Development at IGI Cyber Labs, is joining me. Uh, IGI Cyber Labs has a product called Nodeware, uh, which does continuous vulnerability assessment, and that is endpoint-based as well as network-level scanning. And uh, they have an integration with a product called Security Studio, which is you know, a compliance tool. Uh, I think it's also a good CISO workflow tool. It, it does many other things. And I think this is kind of the, uh, the intersection of awesomeness that needs to exist these days is where you have a continuous vulnerability assessment where you have the ability to uh, demonstrate and attest to the security velocity of things in your organization. You know, how quickly are you patching things? What is your security posture if you have you know, these poor scores, how quickly are you elevating the scores? And it has to be a true, real attestation system that's totally objective. It can't be self-attestation anymore. So um, I think the necessity of having continuous vulnerability uh, assessment platforms always on, in place, scoring every single day is beyond all levels of absolute necessity. Like it's not even remotely up for debate as to whether or not this is a requirement anymore. Yeah. and then that's got to go into a platform that can uh, can uh, attest to that and preferably can integrate that into an overall higher totality risk scoring platform and demonstrate to executive management teams how it is that, you know, where are we at, where do we need to be, and what do we need to do in order to get there, and taking various stakeholders and assigning them tasks to do and keeping track of accountability and so forth. This is like, I think the next level of where this is going to go. And the reason I say this, because I I mean, I'm looking at it from the perspective of a large uh, organization CEO, what is their buyer's journey now? And I think their buyer's journey, and maybe I'm wrong, I'd like to hear your input on this, but I think their buyer's journey comes from, they want to stay in business, They know they need to have cybersecurity insurance, so therefore they have to meet those objectives required by that. They also need to have customer contracts. And the customer contracts have their own set of compliance requirements and due diligence and documentation and policies and attestation and proof and yada, 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 right? You know, I mean, (laughs) right? I mean, you know, it's a lot of work. And you had better get doing all of that stuff very, very, very proactively because you get a new contract coming in and they say, oh, you know, here's your set of requirements. You better be able to burp that stuff out in a week. You know, they're not going to give you three months to accomplish those things. So from my perspective, if I was the CEO, what is my buyer's journey here? It's I got to start with the end in mind, which is I got to be cybersecurity insurer with proof, with compliance and so forth. And then I'm going to back into that. So, so that's establishing my requirements and I have to be doing things that are going to effectuate that outcome. Uh, to- totally agree. And we're, we're seeing that from so many different angles of, again, whether it's compliance, it's audits, it's, uh, you know, compliance could be HIPAA, could be, you know, FIN financial services, any kind of play along their FTC new safeguards coming for the consumer loans, right? Um, you know, that's a big the, one right now. That's huge, right? December 9th is coming up quick. Uh, these guys are starting to panic and we're seeing a lot of interest in that. But, you know, that that the continuous piece is, is critical. The sort of the turnaround time of, I mean, the CVEs, right? Just as a particular example, right? They come out on a 
every day, right? From multiple vendors, from multiple systems, multiple issues. And if you, if, if you do a once a month, you know, vulnerability scan, vulnerability scanning on, on your network on a Saturday night, because that's when it won't bother your network, you're, you're out of luck really yeah. quickly. Or, or I mean, you're, you're, you're just praying for good luck for the next month until you do that next scan, right? So, um, you know, we're, we, we, we're, we're confident with Nodeware and what, in what we do. There's always improvements and we're working diligently on, on things that improve the model of deployment, the model of usage and the model of, um, you know, fitting into compliance tools. And, you know, you guys are helping us a lot with, with guiding us on that. So we really appreciate that. But, you know, at a, at a minimum, you know, the, the, let's call them the, the general MSP out there that's, you know, at some level, step one, let's say there's 10 steps of being a really good, solid security supplier to your customers, right? There's somebody that are at one that just, they need something, right? And there's somebody that's at nine or 10, like your company, then boom, you know, there's still something more to go. But what we're, what, the way we kind of framed things these days is is in you know, you need to improve your cyber hygiene, right? One way or another, right? If you if you're providing your if you're a small business customer, I'm never going to get hit. I don't need any protection. Just give me some antivirus and maybe a backup disaster recovery. Okay, great. That that's all they need. That's all they're going to pay for. Then you know maybe you walk away. Maybe you say, you know what, Mr. Customer, you need. We need to know every single asset on your network, right? We need to we need to know the agents. We need to know your the systems that your you know your employees are using when they're at home, right? We need to know what they're like, what their risks are, and you know let's start with that, right? And then once we've identified those risks or at least those like those assets and what the potential risks are, then then you add the appropriate technology to the next step, right? Get from one to two. Okay, you're at two. Get to three. What other things can you do and can you improve upon? Um, and it's it's because if, if you're not doing it for your customers, then absolutely somebody else is, right? Somebody else, some other MSP is going to come in and say, you know, we can do this and we're going to protect you. And, well, you know, what do you, what what is your current supplier not doing that we can't? You know, I, I think that this is a game of survival for everyone involved. Mm -hmm. um, the MSPs, if they want to stay... Uh, alive they have got to really be playing some high level ball game at this point in time mm -hmm. you know small balls got to go home uh, these folks who are one and two man shops they got no chance in getting it done I mean I feel bad for these people who want to start a business now and they haven't been around for 20 years I mean it's just it's just too tough there's just too much stuff to do I mean if I look at you just don't have enough time in the day to be doing service delivery for your client plus handling your own compliance, right? Yeah, yeah. So these small teams got no chance, but I'm at the same time, I'm going to say that there's a lot of 60 person MSP companies that I've seen that they've got feces for security, hmm. you know, and they're, and they don't really well, have look at the breaches we've seen, right? I mean, look at right. some of these big guys that are getting hit because they're, they've got keys to their lots of kingdoms, not just one kingdom. And they, yeah, and they haven't done segmented, they haven't really segmented things out properly. Um, so, you know, the size of the company is not a delineator of no. the quality of the service that they deliver. And, and I think also going back or to the, the risk environment, within that company, too. That's I true. Mean, 
Um, so, so going back to the buyer's journey, how does the CEO of a company vet an MSP? I mean, you know, CISA put out some guidance on that, which I think is really, frankly, um, it's it's not exactly actionable intel. I do think that an MSP should be presenting to a prospective buyer what their posture is regarding those 10 or 15 questions it was that CISA put out. But if you're going to have to challenge a CEO to, you know, compare these five MSPs and try and figure out who they do business with based upon the CISA guidance, that's going nowhere, right? So, (laughs) you know, so, I mean, we've got things like um, a Trustmark Security Plus certification for a business now, but I think it's even more important that they start plugging into their insurance company or they start plugging into their compliance product and they start saying, you know, okay, look, again, what is my end game? My end game is I want to continue to stay in business. Mm-hmm. So who yeah. has who has my insurance company or who has my compliance platform identified as already being certified to get me there? Yeah. And, and well, we, you know, there, there's no standards on that yet, but unfortunately, I mean, we have to get there. Yeah. Well, we've, we've been doing a lot with um, various insurance companies that are providing cyber insurance. And we've got a couple in development that we'll be announcing soon, but one we've launched is with Cyurance, um, which is big liability and, and, and warranty company. And what they've done is they're using Nodeware as, as sort of a requirement to get the data in in the first place, right? So that they can evaluate the risk level within that company and how many critically vulnerable devices do they have or not, or what one that they even have a program that they can continuously monitor, right? So that's that's sort of the the, the two pieces of that front door is get the scoring and get the data that shows how risky they are, and then the, and so that feeds into their evaluation system. So the data coming from that will will be part of their evaluation for the premiums, et cetera. And then they're requiring that ongoing, right? Because there's no point doing it one time and, <laughs> you know, waiting a month or something to, to, to get well, another scoring. Well, you uh, know, look, I, I have to interject here that they're, you know, like right now I'm separating from a, a client. And, you know, one of the things that I've advised them is that you do realize that when we separate from you, your entire cybersecurity insurance policy becomes invalidated because your new MSP, they're not going to do anything that we had in place. And I know they're not going to do anything because I know the work that they do and the lack of quality associated with the work that they do. So, you know, to your point, um, you know, I feel like it's very, very helpful that insurance companies are finally getting uh, an objective assessment mechanism in place. Because, you know, last year, you know, I went through a Mm -hmm. whole bunch of these cybersecurity insurance renewals and they would run... Um, you know, external assessments on things. And too frequently, I think that the the data that they come up with was just like, bleh, you know, I mean, it was just like <laughs> not usable, right? Mm-hmm. And then I would run my own assessments and stuff and have to reverse engineer it and write some sort of a report that would say, well, actually the report that they generated, it found this and actually it's this asset and, you know, da, da, da. so like if you didn't have somebody like me that that was CISO quality that could be able to interpolate and could digest all of that and had the guts to you know certify a particular state, um, you know, and I can say that the vast majority of businesses in the SMB market do not have somebody of my skill set 
or willingness to write a report like that. And so then, you know, then the clients just, they got, they got nothing. They're stuck with yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. Yeah. I mean, it's just, there, there's been a, on a forum recently this week, there's been a whole bunch of like hysterically funny poo-poo going on where (laughs) there's an MSP. This dude is like ding dong crazy. Okay. And he's like talking about everything in terms of yes, no, yes, no. He doesn't even understand MFA. Um, he He rejects compensating controls. He literally posted publicly that he thinks that NIST has no validity. And I'm like, you know, I just like, this guy is like the biggest clown. Right. I mean, he's like the biggest clown on the planet. So, so now imagine again, let's say you're the customer of this ding dong. You don't know any different. You think you hired this, you know, you think you got a, he's he's saying the right things that you want to hear that he's, you know, because you don't know any better. So, you know, so the insurance companies really, really, really need an objective, truthful, effective, continuous, you know, security velocity sort of assessing system in place. And I feel like maybe just next year, or the next two years, we might actually finally get there. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, and, and, you know, just toot our own horn, right? I think we're, we're, we're providing a piece of that, right? And, and there's improvements to come, but um you know the the again whether it's the FTC safeguards or any compliance or any any other play, I mean why a why a business you know whether it's a CEO or whether it's you know the founder co-founder CEO president marketing you know two man shop right that that's got all of the above if you know I think we talked about you mentioned at the beginning right sort of the the supply chain right why why me I'm two people you know I'm two people in the company and I've got uh, you know, I, half a million in revenue. Well, but who are you selling to? Who are your customers? What data do they, do you might have that the hacker doesn't know whether you are two people or 2000 people, right? They're just seeing an IP address to trying to hit it. And, um, you know, they, we, we had a MSP recently that had their cust- their customer was getting requests from his customer, Right, the down up the chain that says, "Hey, you know, if you're going to, you know, you're going to supply to us, we need you to have these regulations and these criteria engaged, right? And these protections, because, you know, if we're going to buy from you, that means you have our data and we have yours, and we don't want to risk that. So, what are you doing to protect us? And so, you know, they and and what continuous was a piece of that puzzle, right? So, okay, they he never thought of that before. He thought once once a month or once a quarter." Vulnerability scan was good enough, and it used to be, right? But no more. I mean, it's unless you want to keep your head down in the sand. <laughs> well, you know, to that point, I have probably for the last five years been just absolutely adamant about rejecting the concept of a, you know the annual penetration test, mm. and and I'm not even a fan of an external third party penetration test. And and, and let me explain what I mean by that. I feel like whoever is doing IT service delivery to an organization, assuming that the organization is willing to pay for it, you know, we can only do Mm. what they fund, but there should be a regular penetration test going on weekly, you know, I mean, whatever that periodicity is that you're going to, to do, because that gives you data in bite-sized chunks to be able to say, hmm, I think there may be an issue here. Or if you find an issue that's like a new issue that didn't exist before, 
you're shrinking that time duration to the point where you found that. And then with a regularized automated penetration test going on, you have that ability as the red team, or I'm sorry, as the blue team to go in and make a correction and then say, okay, let's, let's trigger it to rerun a scan. And then we find out, does it still deliver the same finding? You know, in contrast, when you hire an external third party to come in for, you know, $25,000 or whatever it is to do their pen test, uh, you know, you, you find that there's really very little cycling back around, you know, they give you this big slog of data. Uh, and just, it's and, too much to handle at once or whatever. Right? And, and, you know, what's your recheck time on that, right? Now, I do think that there's validity in a certification by an external, you know, third-party pen test if you needed that for compliance reasons. But right. I still only think that that is a viable, effective thing to do after you've already got your own penetration testing thing going on. And, you know, the best things that I've seen now is where you'd have the continuous vulnerability assessment system that's comprised of agents on the endpoints combined with, you know, beautiful, you know, lovely network-based things happening on the inside of the network, as well as an external scan going on. And then that is, you know, maybe is perpetrating, you know, some interesting little attacks against Active Directory as well. Um, Why not throw in uh, some assessment of vulnerabilities sitting in Office 365 or some potential cloud apps, right? So I feel like that external third-party pen test is only a good idea as a certified validation of the known status that you already know your stuff is in that good configuration. And that you're continuously improving as well as continuously monitoring. One of the one of the, the the Nodeware product came out of a consulting side of the, the business within IVGI or Infinite Group. And they've been doing penetration tests and, and uh, VCSOs and virtual or incident response and risk assessment, sort of, you know, consulting services really kind of ultimately. And what we've turned into the, you know, again, the annual penetration test as a, as a service, you know, you buy it and pay for it and get a report and all that. We've converted that into a, 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 a it's called PenLogic, which is a service, an ongoing penetration tester. So it's not daily like the Nodeware is from a, just checking vulnerabilities and being proactive that way, but it's a regular penetration test. So I think once a quarter, it's a really deep dive heavy one. And then once a month, there's other, um, you know, kind of light, if you will, a light test. Um, but it's a but it's a way to, to again, kind of as you just say, it's an iterative process, right? You, 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 none of this world is standstill, right? And if you, if you're doing continuous monitoring through through Nodeware, you're doing the things along the way that are going to make that pen test be successful in terms of a, a you know, not going to get through, right? You're not going to find the big holes that, oh no, you know, we've, you know, what do we do now, right? So, right, right. it's 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 a two two three four step well, process but it's it's got to come from both sides yeah let me interject another fascinating observation is that um when the blue team defenders are the ones who have the vuln assessing tools the pen testing tools and they are you know ingesting that data themselves there is a much higher probability that they actually get an understanding of the relationship between the configuration that's in place and what was assessed. 
Um, whereas when I've worked with some external pen testers, too frequently I feel like they their tool produced some finding and they don't even know why it produced that finding. And they're not, you know, and they're not really willing to, you know, raise the drapes and let me in on their little secrets, you know. So the problem that happens there is uh, I guess twofold. I mean, in in a lot of cases, our network layer security is so hardcore that they they did they just can't even like, you know, comprehend what we've got going on half of the time. But um, but in addition to that, I've I have yet to actually see an external third party penetration tester that was paid for by one of our clientele who produced a report that when I challenged them about the contents of that report to say, explain to me exactly what this thing was that you think was a finding because I want to know how that translates over into the configuration because our goal is to implement a mitigation or a configuration correction. 100% of the time, they can't do it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so. Well, that's, so that's the $2,000 that's the $2, pen test versus a five to eight. I mean, right? I mean, there's, there's a quality just like on anything else, right? There's there's the uh, just... The cheap well, ones that could say they I did mean, a penetration test, but but a couple of them that I can tell you about, they were over twenty thousand dollars, and the pen testers still couldn't tell me the details oh, that that we okay. needed. So that mm-hmm. that's why I'm like, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I would never, under any circumstances, pay for an external penetration test, other than after I already had my own systems in place all the time, penetration testing, you know, continuous vuln assessing, and that everything was, you know, showing up sunshine and roses, right? Which is why I think it's so imperative now that MSPs find a SaaS program, SaaS platform partner that can that can provide that deeper technical services that we then actually get access to the real data set, hmm. you know? And then, yeah, yeah. you know, it's it's ideal if that same company also has the ability to provide real certification services when that's required. Cause you know, that's, you know, why would you want to go to some other third party? You know, you, you'd want to be able to leverage the tool set that you already have. I just, yeah. I, you know, and I'm sure that my experiences are not exemplar for the experience that everybody else has, but it, it has, I've had a lot of questions in the past with regards to pen tests where, you know, I'll, I'll say to them, well, how are you going to actually scan all 40 VLANs? And they're like, what? There's 40 VLANs? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I, it, it's, it's, you know, it, it's an interesting world. And I think as, you, as we sort of said, it's, it's, there's a lot of transition in terms of what is being required by who, right? And yeah. so the, the, you know, people are just saying, hey, I need a pen test because, you know, my insurance company said I have to yeah. have one. So just do yeah. it and then, you know, send me the bill. Here's a budget for $2,500, right? Yeah. Just just a checklist, right? Versus- well, look, a lot of PCI compliance is exactly that too. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's disgusting that it is, but that's what I see more frequently than not. Right. Yeah, no, that's, so, a, good, that's a good- You know- That's a good so, model. I mean, if even <laughs> as long as that's been around, right? I mean, it's still just kind of that base base level. Well, so that's why, I mean, I'm thinking that, you know, I'm not going to say that what we're discussing here is next level. I think it's immediately required. You know, I mean, we have an immediacy where if if business doesn't move in this direction 
insurance premiums are going to get so completely outrageous yeah. that that no one will be insurable anymore and small to medium business will go out of business because they can't have customer contracts and they're not insurable and they, there's no way in heck they can. And then here's the other thing, even if they manage to, let's just say you can write a $150,000 check to, you know, remediate your environment. Well, I mean, and then what? Just because you can doesn't actually mean that you can go find someone with the technical skills to close those <laughs> gaps for you in yeah. the desired time frame. I mean, what I find is that this has to be a monthly effort. I mean, that's yeah. why it's got to be a relationship with somebody. I mean, it's no different than continuous vulnerability assessment. It's continuous Kaizen of remediation as well. Well, I mean, you know, I, I kind of bring it back to even just the the let's call it customer stickiness, right? If an MSP has got a number of customers and if they're not being as proactive as they can, you know, looking ahead and trying to op trying to keep that business in business, right? I mean, that's ultimately what they're, you know, I, kind of break it down. That's what they're, that's what they're doing, right? They're, they, they are an engine to keep that business operating. And if they're not protecting, if they're not, you know, continuously looking for things that are breakable or are, penetratable or are, you know, not adding to the business, whether it's a government requirement or whether it's just their customer coming in the door saying, Hey, I'm not going to do business with you unless you can tell me how you're protecting my data when you have it in. I mean, yeah, he's got, I mean, the- I, I, you know, it's, it's a, it's a hard, I think it's a hard sort of path to go down, but it's, it's so required that, you know, if you're not doing it, then, you know, either look to be acquired or change your business model to something else because you you know you're going to be taken out at some point by somebody bigger that has got all these operations in place and can manage it. Right. 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 But your customer is going to be paying a lot more because they have to, not because it's a normal evolution of their business model. Yeah, I mean, I feel really bad for a lot of small to medium business because I just it's so difficult. They're in this squeeze. And that squeeze is they oftentimes have the MSP coming to them and saying, these are the things that we need to do. And their squeeze is, oh, well, inflation is happening and our customers don't want to pay anymore. Right. So they're in this squeeze and they just necessarily end up having to raise prices. That's just what's happening. Uh, And even even then, they also feel an additional squeeze that I don't think they've been getting effective guidance from the insurance brokers. I mean, my personal experience is that the only one of my clients that get what I would characterize as competent input from their insurance broker are those that are businesses in excess of 200 million a year. And that's only because the insurance broker at that point in time sees that size of that premium. They're engaged. They say they, they, they get engaged because, you know, they're like, look, this is, you know, it's worth us getting engaged. I think a lot of people also don't That's... understand they have, um, you know, they have a local broker and they've got a meager insurance policy. And let's just say the premium on that cybersecurity insurance policy for the broker is what, 500 bucks? Okay, well, how much time do you actually think your broker is supposed to spend with you or on your behalf helping you understand what you need to do in order to have a policy. And so there's a fundamental failure in this decision-making process that I see the vast majority of SMBs doing. You know, they go to their broker. They shouldn't right. be going to their broker. 
They should be going to the MSP, who yep. darned well knows exactly what the heck it is that they need to do in order to be secure. And so if what we can do is utilize continuous vuln assessment of uh, assessment tools and automated pen testing tools for that you know baseline cost effective always on penetration testing thing regular schedules um if we can do that cost effectively and drive that into a compliance platform that automatically sends data to an insurance company and cause the the cost of insurance for these SMBs to be like, you know, turnkey lights on. Yeah. This is the this is what they need in order to stay in business, but they got to have the right partner to do that. Yeah. Well, one one of the, I'll call out um, Larry Metter and, and the whole data stream insurance company, right? So they've they they are focusing on delivering services for the MSPs to bring to their customer, kind of like the site insurance where they're going to be integrating data like ours into the premium, you know, premium analysis and also the premium maintenance, if you will. Right. And, yeah. you know, bringing that value. And again, you know, the MSP, you know, can never and won't be a broker. They, they can't sell the insurance, but they need to know how to enable it. Right. And right. that's through somebody that does know and is going to spend some time right. or some, you know, provide some good tips for that $500 monthly premium that'll help them maintain it at 500 and not yeah. go to a thousand next year when they go to renew. Right. Right. And, and I think that that relationship between the broker and the MSP is, I mean, it's, it's phenomenal. Like I have a really good working relationship with Marsh McClellan and that level of a relationship directly results in um, value to the, you know, our basically our mutual customer. Yeah. And you know you get economies of scale from that. Um, yeah, so, absolutely. So, and, question, question for yeah. you: how how do we collectively, as an industry, reach the SMB business owner, that SMB executive management team? How do we reach them and help them to start thinking about this in a more effective way? Well, I hate to say it, but I think it's it's money and government talks. Right. I mean, in certain states are requiring companies to have some of these things in place, whether it's insurance or the tools to get ready for insurance, whatever. If if if, you know, vendors like us or, you know, you, you, some of your outreach and, and other vendors, if if we're making it, we got to make it simple to understand, but but important enough and critical and, and show the urgency. I mean, it ultimately comes down to urgency, whether it's reality of potentially getting hit or it's reality of the government putting fines on your business if you're not doing it, or it's reality of you might just lose your whole company and without even knowing about it. And right? potentially personal assets too. Yeah. I mean, you know, you're, you're a sole proprietor or you're an LLC that's got it all under your, I mean, you know, it doesn't take long to get to right. you. Right. Right. So you know, it's 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 somewhat simple in in a, in a, in in a way that says you know we got to educate, 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 right? We got to make people aware, and and I go back to this cyber hygiene point, right? It's getting started, right? Or or taking the next step, right? Because these things are coming down again, whether it's a government regulation, it's an insurance company regulation and requirement. These things are all coming together. That if if a if a small business isn't actively listening to the MSP for one, and two isn't actively understanding you know the world of of business today, then 
you know, I, there's some people we're just not going to hit, right? They're just not going to ever listen and they'll, they'll go away naturally. Right. Um, but for those that are willing and listening and for those MSPs that are able to, you know, offer a bit of advice, right? Get them going, right? You don't want to scare your customers, obviously. You don't want to price yourself out of them. But the, I think it's, you know, kind of goes back to what you're saying. You have to show value for your for your delivery, right? And show that spending, you know, pick a number, right? A thousand dollars a month with us because we do X, Y, and Z is better than spending 500 with somebody that gave you a cheap low bid as he isn't going to do these things. So what right. do you want to do? Right. What, and, well, and again, it's, it's a fine line of how to, how to help somebody do that. I see even, you know, simplistic things such as I see proposals and quotes from competitors. Uh, and I use the term competitor loosely because they're not really our competitors, but uh, the, you know, I see them offering, you know, antivirus, uh, and I don't. That's a that's a, a terminology I haven't used for a decade because it's been a dead strategy for a decade, right? But they're, yeah. you know, they're they're sitting there touting all of the lovely. Well, that's still what consumers are thinking about. They still know that term, right? So right. you know, and they say what they're using, and it's like I know that product that they're using, and I'm like that product is a dead product, right? And, and I also know when I see the cybersecurity insurance applications, they have very explicit requirements in there. They're talking about, you know, true zero trust threat protection products that are using, you know, AI and, you know, advanced, all kinds of, you know, advanced feature sets that, you know, tech from six years ago doesn't meet that requirement. Heck, I'd say tech from two years ago six, doesn't meet that requirement. Six months ago in some cases, right? Right? Yeah. So, you know, I think that's part of the process of helping these business owners tell, mm. um, and I'm going to be a little crass here, but poo from Shinola, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and, and to, to, that, to that point, though, and, I, and, I, and on, on behalf of the MSPs that I've heard from, right, there, to a certain point, they're kind of getting this, fatigue, right, of the cyber messages. I mean, I was at DataCon a couple weeks ago and other events I've been at where 90% of the vendors in a room are all about security and why, are, you know, ours is the best, you need this, and it's going to do this and that and the other thing. I mean, you know, again, to a poor MSP who's already got 10, 15 key vendors, do they need another 10 to do all the things that are required? Well, or, yeah, you know, I mean, and I, I, I swear to God, what you just articulated is the number one thing that is communicated on all of the MSP forums yeah. is what tool doesn't suck? You know, <laughs> like, <laughs> can we please just find one PSA and RMM that doesn't suck? You know, can we please just find, <laughs> you know, one of this, that, or the, you know, like, can we just please find something that doesn't suck? And unfortunately, yeah. you know, too much of the, the software that's out there is, I'm going to call it less than minimum viable product. It doesn't even meet that need. I mean, I'm just going to pick on ConnectWise for a second here. So if you're going to really, really utilize ConnectWise effectively, you know, you're talking about something that you had to put a serious, serious amount of effort and, and financial backing into. And then even then, it still doesn't do everything for you. You tend to bolt on a bunch of different products, right? If you talk to C-Level, who's this grand ConnectWise consultant, they talk about how like, yeah, we want you to have these five other add-on tools and each one of the five add-on tools is $300 a month. And you start looking at it and going like, okay, now the cost of my just basic baseline functionality here to function as a business is ridiculous, right? Because the software sucks. 
and it's just incomplete. And, and so we burn up so much of our time trying to do dev testing and bluntly, the majority of MSPs that are out there do not have the technical skill to do R and D dev testing on products. And mm. that has, you know, downstream effects. Um, yeah. So I had an, had another question for you. Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, so what do you think about the MSPs that take their entire team or even a good chunk of their team and post, you know, photograph and first name and last name and stuff about them publicly on, on the website. What do you think about that? Um, I think it's a bit, well, when I was, when I was thinking my answer, I'm thinking, okay, what's the worst case scenario? The worst case scenario is that the hackers and anybody else is going to go find them, going to go find them on Facebook, befriend them, try to get in, send them phishing scams, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So I, it sounds like a bad idea. Um, if it you is wanna, a bad if you, idea. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you, if you want to promote your people, say it's Joe T instead of Joe Thomas, right. It's, it's Felicia K that does yeah. this and that. And, yeah. you know, talk about the qualifications, but. Um, well, boy, see, that's, I, think, that's, I think there's a time and place for the CV. Right. Yeah. And and the, the time and place for the CV is when you're sending a submittal to your cybersecurity insurance company. OK, like <laughs> yeah. like like I have to have a compilation of the CV of my whole team. And that goes with my cybersecurity insurance application. Yeah. And uh, I have some high level customers that they are darned well interested in the CV of my team. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, it is no not to mention not to mention the poaching by other yes. MSPs. <laughs> yes. Yes. There's, that's there's a thing called a labor shortage right now in the tech yes. world that uh, yeah, you're just opening this up. Oh, hey, Joe, come work for us. Yeah. We'll pick you the X, Y. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it just, oh, I mean, industrial espionage. I mean, you just, you pick it, right? I mean, you know, you're such yeah. a genius on this topic. You, you had exactly the correct answer. <laughs> Pass the test. <laughs> I have always thought it was just horrible for operational security. Horrible yeah. for OPSEC. Yeah. And, you know, the only, I, this is like one of my delineations that I use is you look at a competitor's website and they've got all these, you know, high glossy photos of like everybody in the entire company out there and all this little stuff about them. There was this one company I saw who, <laughs> if you would mouse over the photo of, of an engineer on the team, it would like turn and it would put up a different photo and then you'd get their LinkedIn profile and their little personal uh -huh. hobbies and interests and stuff like that. And I'm like, y'all have lost the rever reservation. Okay. <laughs> like, you know, and, and then, you know, there's, here's, here's another, the key. Here's the keys to my kingdom. Go ahead. Have them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and then there's another aspect to that too, which is that, so who says that this, you know, that the IT service provider owns the identity of the employees? That's such a privacy I invasion. I and I find that, that part, horribly yeah. disrespectful. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a good point. <laughs> well, good. I passed the test. I guess we'll, we'll actually post this recording then when we're done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, um, I, I want to go back to security velocity. What, what does security velocity mean to you when I use that term? Uh, well, I think of probably a couple different ways. One is the, the things are changing so quickly in the security world that if you have to, you know, it's kind of a keeping aware, it's a more awareness piece. I, so, I mean, just, um, 
that's probably not a really good answer, but I'm trying to think of security velocity is, is there's different vectors, right? You know, if you think of physics or whatever the right science is that the velocity falls into, right? There's different pieces that are coming into it, right? That you have to sort of compare and contrast and evaluate what's, what's, uh, I mean, there's velocity and there's also relative importance of that velocity. Yeah. Right? So you can't, you can't right. just take everything as being critical, right? Every, I mean, there are lots of things are critical, but because things are happening so fast, sometimes that's okay. Let it, let it roll. Maybe it'll roll off the path. Um, so well, I know. you know, what you're articulating there is that there are some things, if we have a really good risk scoring mechanism that is standardized, like EPSS is a great example of that. You know, if we have something like that, which is a, you know, it's a standard, it can drive uh, an SLA and a policy set uh, for an MSP and a client in a way that is compliant with a cybersecurity insurance policy, which is, of course, the name of the game, mm -hmm. uh, and that they can conduct the risk management, the vulnerability management in accordance with that scoring. And they can prioritize, you know, so um, that is definitely absolutely a portion of security velocity. But let's take it a little bit further and talk about security velocity with regards to from an assessment perspective. Hmm. So if on the first of the month you had, you know, 80 missing patches and a seven days later, how many missing patches did you have? What about 15? What about 30 days later? What is, see what I'm saying? What is the mm -hmm. security velocity of your environment? Interesting, okay. yeah. Right? Yep. Okay, so you, you know, as part of your compliance platform, you don't have an incident response plan. You haven't done a tabletop exercise. What is the security velocity of your organization? Another way to it think about it. skyrockets, right? Once you, if you don't have those different pieces ready. So then uh, another piece of it is, uh, you know, wh what's the overall totality of your risk scoring and how is it changing? So are you consistently gaining 25 points? I'm just pulling a number out of my tail, you know, but are you consistently gaining 25 points every month to where, you know, and, I, and I'm assuming like, you know, zero is you have a really bad score and like, you know, a thousand is a really good score, you know, like maybe you're trying to get to 999. You know? Right. <laughs> that, like, that's as high as we go in Notre is 999 because we, you, right. we don't want to ever say that it's perfect. <laughs> right. Right. Because, you know, that's unobtainium basically. Right. Yeah. So so your security velocity from a demonstrable attestatable way is how are you improving that score over time? And then let me take it another step further. Security velocity is also you, you are nice and stable and you stay stable, right? So once you get your ducks in a row, you stay stable. You're not taking dives down and back up and mm. dives down and back up, right. you know? Right, right. Yeah. Um, some of this is, is also interesting where, like if you take Microsoft Secure Score as a great example of that, I think it was June or July this year where Microsoft added a whole slew of new stuff into Secure Score. So they basically made the pie bigger, right? And when they and, and Secure Score is a percentage. When they made the, the pie bigger, people who were at 78% went down to 56 because the pie got bigger. Oh, right. Yeah. 
and there were more things they weren't doing. <laughs> weren't doing. They didn't know they needed to do. Well, or they, they looked at it and it's like literally overnight, I was looking at some of these charts and I'm like, wow, what happened here? You know, we had a really good score going on there. And then it was like, you know, overnight it changed. Yeah. So that's also part of security velocity. Okay, so if your score drops down, are you monitoring that? And what is your response to that? Mm. Oh, yeah. yeah. Good times. Um, yeah. Thanks for, <laughs> I think we just you know, scared everybody that's been listening. <laughs> their minds. They're going to go change, their, change their, their business model. Well, that's probably a good thing, right? Yeah, that might be a good thing. <laughs> I mean, I mean, hopefully, you, you can hope, but I think we pretty much both would agree that that's kind of fantasy land that everybody listening to this is going like, oh, yeah, we are good. We got it all done. Oh, no. Yeah. No. yeah. So, as we said, as we said, there are there are uh, multiple stages of, uh, of of partners and MSPs and what they do and how they do it. And I hope I hope today we've at least uh, sort of educated a few people on how to get started or get to the next step and things to look out for and you know look out for their customers. Right. That is the ultimate goal of of an MSP should be to you know, protect and serve their customers, just like police in, in their cities is, you know, get, get, keep them around so that they can pay taxes. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the difficulty there is, uh, is that, that balance of, I, I see a lot of oh, MSPs yeah. who really want, want, want to provide and their customers are unwilling, unwilling, unwilling. Yeah. You know, no, they don't, and, and they're unwilling oftentimes on two levels. Uh, one is to fund it. And the other thing is to make the time to be involved. Yeah. You know, you don't correct many of the foundational underlying challenges in an organization without the full participation and backing and involvement of the executive management team. Yeah. Because a, a lot of this is organizational change. Like, hey, we need to actually implement a company-owned password manager or we need to implement... Uh, you know, wire fraud, anti-wire fraud policies and procedures. Well, there's no IT technical controls for that, <laughs> you know, or, or what about, you know, we need to get everybody trained so that they're less vulnerable to business email compromise. There's not a lot. I mean, yeah, there's some technical controls you can do for that, but yeah. it's more about human being educational awareness and i find too many organizations are looking at it and saying well hey that's going to cost payroll time right well that's it yeah we, we we had the discussion this morning on you know a company like hackware or no before there's a bunch of them out there but hackware is a new one that's kind of using smarts into the mix with ai and they you know they have ways for msps to offer it to their customers easily and um you know, programs that, you know, again, they helped make them some money, but it's also adding some stickiness and value to their, to their customers. And that's, that's really kind of what it comes back down to. So. Well, Exciting um, times. good times. Yeah. Well, thanks for taking the time for this. And, uh, yeah, you know, I, I was an invigorating conversation. I always enjoy hearing the perspective of other people in the industry. And, and I think our, our audience does too. Thanks a lot, Frank. Good. My pleasure.